The Granzadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Well, it's good to have everyone with us. We are uh, audio taping and videotaping this interview with Gary Bernison, who is the CEO of Corn Ferry International. Gary, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you. This is kind of a special uh, conversation with Gary. We're doing this as part of our Dean's Executive Leadership Series at Pepperdine University, uh, but we're also doing it as part of Beta Gamma Sigma's Meet the Leaders Series, uh, which is being done as part of the centennial celebration for Beta Gamma Sigma, and really focuses on ethics and business and some of the uh, thinking of some of the top business leaders around the world on ethical business practice. So Gary, we're gonna pick your brain a little bit about ethics and ethical leadership. Okay. Well, why don't we begin uh, by giving the, the listeners a little bit of a background on your path to your role at Corn Ferry. You have a bit different path to getting there than probably the average CEO of a, one of the major kind of search and talent development firms. So share with us a little bit about that path and, and what got you to where you are today. Well, I, uh, I was a partner at KPMG, then I was in investment banking, and I, and I got involved in this company uh, about 11 and a half years ago. I bought stock in the company. Uh, so it's an unusual way, certainly, to enter an organization. And uh, I never thought in a million years that I would be doing this. I never set it as a goal to be a CEO of a publicly mm -hmm. traded company. Sure. Uh, and I started out as a CFO, and then that uh, progressed to COO, and now this is my seventh year as CEO. If you had to share one or two of sort of the most important things you've learned as a CEO that you really were surprised by moving into a role like that, what would you say that was? Well, there's been many. I think uh, number one is that it's all about the people. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do as a leader is paint the out-of-bounds lines, mm -hmm. paint the, the left line and the right line. Because what you have is, is hundreds of people making thousands of decisions every day, mm -hmm. and you're not going to be there. Um, and so the, the key is to, to motivate, to inspire, to empower around this common purpose. And that's probably, that's probably one of the, the biggest learnings. And, and the second is something that I try to hold myself to, and that is making sure that after every interaction mm -hmm. with a employee, that they feel better after the conversation mm -hmm. than, than before. So it's, it's really all about the people. And your training was as an accountant and you started as a CPA. So to sort of then transition to being in this very people-oriented side of business yeah. and to sort of frame your leadership so much around people, how did you make that transition or was that just sort of a natural part of who you were even when you were sort of in the more financial and accounting side of business? Well, I think it evolved. And I think, uh, Linda, what I've probably drawn most upon is uh, sports mm -hmm. and uh, playing sports as a kid in a, in a number of different uh, venues. Mm -hmm. um, that's really what I draw upon, that, that kind of team atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, and that uh, performance is the equalizer. And so I, that's probably most what I, mm -hmm. what I go back to. Well, this, it's interesting. We haven't had someone from a, a major search firm for a while that we've spoken to, and I don't think Beta Gamma Sigma has had anyone from there, as we've talked about leadership. So as someone who's from one of the really top talent and leadership, leadership search firms in the world, what do you think about in terms of what it means to be a leader and as you start looking for the right people to fill positions, what qualities are you looking for uh, in someone? 
Well, it certainly depends on, on the function. If it's a CEO or a board of directors or a CFO or a marketing person, certainly there's going to be functional skills that are going to differ. And it's also going to depend on whether it's a turnaround or a startup, a growth right. company. Um, so, so that's all, always going to vary. But, but what we really look for and what we found is that learning agility mm -hmm. is the number one predictor of, of success. And to, to change, to change an organization, it starts with the person in the mirror. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to have a great deal of humility, something we look for, authenticity, because that trumps mm -hmm. charisma. And then this insatiable appetite to learn and to grow. Because you're going to be put in situations that you've never been in before. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we like to call leadership knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. And if you don't have that self-awareness anchored in humility mm -hmm. with some underlying confidence, um, you're, you're probably not going to go far. Um, so we, we assess and test for actually learning agility. How do you assess humility and authenticity? Is there like a test for that? Or do you talk to people? How do you get a real sense for that in a person? Yeah, we talk to, we talk to others mm -hmm. <laughs> that interact with that person, certainly. But, but you can tell in a conversation uh, if the person is using I and me uh, versus we, uh, that's, that's probably a clue. Um, you know, you can tell through an interaction, uh, but, but the real way is through referencing, mm -hmm. through talking to people that have worked for this individual, peers uh, of, the, of this colleague. Uh, that's really the way you do it. Well, certainly one of the things we focus a lot on uh, at the Grazia Dia School, and it certainly is sort of at the core of some of the ethical business leadership work that happens at Beta Gamma Sigma is around how you uh, identify or nurture ethical leaders. Uh, and we certainly have seen a lot of those in the media recently that haven't necessarily represented that so effectively. So I just have a, a few thoughts or questions I'd like to get your reflections on. Uh, how do you sort of test for ethical leadership or ethical fit in the process? Is that different than what you're doing when you're looking for humility and authenticity or learning agility, what, how do you try to determine that about someone you're looking well, for? Well, it's, it's really along the same lines. It's through their, you know, their, their past behaviors, their past accomplishments. Um, that's the way you try to sort that out. And, and really what you're trying to do is, is figure out, okay, how will this executive operate if they're in a room by themselves? Mm -hmm. And would they indeed operate that it's you know, full of an auditorium of people? Would, would they act the same way? Um, and, and certainly over the last uh, couple decades, there's been a lot of excess. Um, and there is, uh, to some extent, a lack of ethics, particularly if you think about what happened in this last great recession. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, it's not always easy to, uh, to, to determine that. But you can put the pieces together uh, by, by talking to others and, and looking at the person's accomplishments. So when there are circumstances where someone's been in a leadership role, maybe put there by a search firm in collaboration with the company, where then they do something that clearly is a violation of what we would view as ethical standards, is there something that could have been differently done differently in that search process? Or do you ever look back on some of those and think, potentially that, well, if, if we'd done this differently or when you see maybe what another search firm has done, what have you learned from watching those kinds of things happen that maybe has changed the way you do searches or 
uh, change the way that process works in the organization? Well, it's very difficult to predict human behavior, mm -hmm. right? And, Absolutely. And, and situations change. I, I will speak to, as a leader, um, there have been a number of situations where I have asked people to leave our organization. Um, in one case, there was a, a colleague who videotaped um, a, um, a conversation with a client, uh, recorded it, mm -hmm. not videotaped, but, but, but recorded the conversation. And although that's illegal uh, in some states, while legal in others, uh, to me, that's just out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Not letting the other person know that they're being recorded, I think, is a violation of, of you know, ethical behavior. I certainly wouldn't want to be recorded unless I knew it was be, you know, I was being recorded. Right. Um, how would I ever have predicted that that individual? We assessed that individual. Mm -hmm. We sure. went through all the motions, and yet uh, that happened. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there, there, there's certainly no guarantee. Um, but when you find it. Um, in an organization, particularly when you're the CEO, um, you have to, with dignity, ask that person to leave because uh, nobody will believe you, uh, even if that person is in the office next door. And if that person is um, fudging his or her expense reports, or in this case, audio taping somebody else, you have to make those hard calls um, because nobody will believe a word that you're saying um, if you don't live the values of the organization. You are the values, you are the message of the company. What is, I mean, as you've watched leaders uh, through the years in this role and certainly in other roles that you've had, are there specific things that you see that tend to cause or lead to executives straying down off of the moral high road? I mean, are there any oh, sure. markers? What kinds of things do you see that tend to be the biggest problems for folks like this? Well, today it's, it's society. I mean, we, we live in a world of instant gratification mm -hmm. uh, where everybody is, is connected, mm -hmm. where uh, performance is not measured in years, but it's measured in quarters. And, um, you know, that creates strange behavior, <laughs> for sure. Um, and so you, you live in a wor world of short-termism, mm -hmm. right? And, sure. and that, more than anything, mm -hmm. I think, creates uh, pressures for people to do things that ordinarily they wouldn't do. One of the things we try to do in business schools is to raise up leaders who are going to be ethical and have the right set of values as they go into organizations. What could we do differently or better in educational settings generally, but certainly more specifically in business schools, to try to help people have the right perspective so that it happens less over time? Well, <clears throat> you know, I think to the extent that you can combine the theory mm -hmm. with situational learning. Uh, along a number of different dimensions, whether it's ethics or whether it's finance or whether it's leadership, uh, generally uh, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. Right. And most people, uh, when you get in the real world, are really developed through their boss, through their mentor. Sure. And so I think to the extent that one could combine the theory with more practical situational leadership in a classroom, um, I think that could go a long way. 
So you were quoted in Fast Company as saying that your favorite quote is by the Jersey Boys. Mm. Mm. And the quote is, it's hard to make believe you are happy when you are gray. And then you've also said that there is no gray day for a leader. Mm -hmm. Speak a little bit about what you mean by that and how you live that out. Well, it's very tough to live that out. Yeah. Um, the reality is that, that people view you as a function and they don't view you as a person. So you are representing an organization and um, you, know, you hold up a mirror to yourself and that's the mood that the organization is gonna take on. And so I, I do believe that you cannot have a gray day. You cannot have a bad day uh, as a leader and you have to hold yourself to that standard. Now it's absolutely impossible uh, for anybody to live up to that standard but, but that's the case. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if I'm going to go into a, uh, whatever it is, a meeting, a, a presentation, and if I'm a little down, um, then sure enough, what's going to happen is one person's going to say something to the next, hey, is Gary, why is he down? And the next person's going to say, well, maybe this acquisition isn't going so well. Then it goes to the next person, well, maybe the board of directors isn't very happy, and maybe the stockholders, and it just, it snowballs. Right. Um, and you are the message uh, for the organization. And so you, you just have to keep that uh, in the front of your mind. Uh, very difficult to live out, uh, but you have to hold yourself at least to that standard. And so since that has to be the sort of the, the public face of the CEO in their organization, for you personally, what are your sort of outlets for dealing with the stress and the gray days that come along that you sort of have to publicly sort of manage in a different way. But where do you sort of go when you need to vent or get it off your chest? That kind well, of thing? I, you know, I think from, for what I've seen and talked with, with other leaders, it, you know, it can vary from, from person to person. For me personally, it's, it's being outside. But, um, but I think that what I try to do, and it's, it works well for me, it may not work well for everybody, sure. but I, I separate. Uh, what I do from who I am. Mm -hmm. And I make sure that that wall is there and um, I do not uh, bring home what I do during the day. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I try to keep that perspective of who I really am versus what I do. Mm -hmm. I want to change the direction of the conversation a little bit. Certainly what's going on in the economy has a very significant impact on what goes on in the business that you have. So talk a little bit about kind of the trends you're seeing in the kind of the talent search area and what you think that has to say about where the economy's going. Well, if you are a CEO today, like I am, and it, and it, it could be any industry uh, in just about any country around the world, there is an incredible fight for growth and relevancy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think that's going to change uh, for the next five years, maybe for the next 10 years. And so as a CEO, um, you only have, you know, a few levers to pull in terms of growth. And that's what you're ultimately tasked with is growth. Um, what you don't have is this conspicuous consumer uh, in the West. Mm -hmm. Those days are gone. And many companies, many CEOs had the luxury of this conspicuous consumption mm -hmm. for at least a couple decades. Right. Uh, now when you look out, um, there's really only a few levers. You can innovate, um, you can consolidate, or you can continue to look to emerging markets. 
Um, and that's what you're seeing playing out actually right now, the acquisition of Heinz and Co. I mean, there is a lot of pent-up cash, pent-up demand mm -hmm. around M&A. But, but when you look at a workforce, the, the other theme that you'd see today is that CEOs are asking more uh, with less people for less money. Um, and, and if you look out and you say, okay, how do you try to compete against this um, <clears throat> in the world, you're going to have to have a workforce that is highly learning agile, that, tr that possess you know, substantial cultural dexterity. Um, and that's what actually we're looking for uh, for leaders today is that individuals that can meet people where they are, that can motivate, inspire, manage uh, a flat world um, and, and tap, those, tap those emerging markets around the world. How sustainable is it to sort of expect people to do more and more for less and less over the long run in organizations? Certainly in the short run as organizations go through really difficult times, people can sort of kind of suck it up and do it. But how sustainable is that over the long run versus it will turn into you know, really high turnover and other kinds of problems organizations can have? Well, it, it, it certainly will, but it really depends on the pace of technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, technology has absolutely altered the landscape. Um, in just about every, every industry. Um, ultimately though, technology hasn't disintermediated people mm -hmm. and people make businesses right. successful. Um, so it, it's certainly not uh, a sustainable pattern and that's, and that's one of the reasons too why you're saying that you know, the average tenure of an employee is between two or three years, right? It's, it's not like it was uh, with our parents that worked at a company for 20 or 30 years and got a gold watch. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the world has totally changed. So you've written a couple of books, best-selling books that focus on leadership. One of them is some of your lessons for leadership, but the other one is called No Fear of Failures, and mm -hmm. you actually talk about some mm -hmm. leaders and the things that they did. As you reflect, you've met lots of mm -hmm. really significant leaders both related to writing the book and mm -hmm. in the work that you do. If you had to reflect on maybe a couple of those that you've met through the years that have been most impactful to you just in terms of their style and their approach to leadership, who would they be and why were you so uh, impressed by the way they lead? Well, there's been, um, th there's been a number of people. I mean, one of the things that we're, we're quite fortunate in that we um, we interact with the outliers of achievement. Mm -hmm. right. and, and so whether it is uh, Indra Nui, the CEO of Pepsi, whether it's Carlos Slim, the world's mm -hmm. richest man, uh, whether it's President Fox of Mexico, um, although they're, they're, they're different and you'll see different styles, mm -hmm. there's some commonalities. And one of which is that when you look in their eyes, you see their soul. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are absolutely authentic. Uh, they're in the moment. Mm -hmm. They're looking at you. There's no distractions. Um, and and that, that sense of humility and authenticity is what I find more than not uh, runs through great leaders. Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk a lot about passion and how important passion is for someone to be successful in their work, whether they're in a high-level leadership position or not. So as you sort of look ahead in the work that you're doing, what are you most excited about and what gives you passion for what you're doing? Uh, well, for us at Corn Ferry, I think we are, we're transforming an industry. We're, we're in the business to change people's mm -hmm. lives. And when you look at our business today, 
uh, almost half the business didn't exist six years ago. Um, so it, it gives me a great deal of passion to take a fabulous brand that has incredible permission um, and really create a new organization from that and not only help companies find great people, but more importantly, speaking to the trends you were talking about, uh, stay there longer, mm -hmm. create a stickier workforce, a workforce that's more engaged, a workforce that's developed, uh, a workforce that's celebrated and rewarded. And so that, that's actually mm -hmm. what, what excites me about what we're doing. Well, Gary, it's been wonderful having you with us on behalf of the Grazia Dio School at Pepperdine and on behalf of Beta Gamma Sigma. We thank you so much for joining us and sharing kind of your insights and thoughts on leadership with us today. Well, thank you very much.